Hey, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh, and I've got Kyle here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. It's a great day to finish school, and we get to dive into the NFL schedule that was released tonight. We break down a lot of key matchups, even take a seat in the degenerate's den. Thankfully, in a time with very little live sports, social media and headlines are getting us through. Speaking of social media, Giannis's Twitter account broke major news today. We talk a little bit about Jim Harbaugh and his statement towards the NFL implementing a minor league. Then we give some thoughts on the 2K21 PGA video game. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Burst Your Bubble. We're available now everywhere you get your podcast. You can get us even on your Alexa devices. If you're bored at home or cooking or anything else, just tell Alexa, play Burst Your Bubble podcast. Then remember to rate, review, and share us with your friends or literally anyone you know. Thanks for listening, and remember, no hard feelings, because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. Josh, my memory card is missing again. Um, today I went to play some NCAA 14. I've got a one-loss program. Uh, hopefully I was you know, vying for a, t- a shot in the national championship game. Um, you know, with the one loss. So it was going to be tough going on the stretch, probably going to end up in the Fiesta Bowl. But uh, with the play today and you know, the memory card was gone. And I remembered, you know, yesterday Kennedy brought it to me. So I sat on, on top of the couch and today I went to look and it wasn't there. And I texted Alyssa, I said, hey, have you seen the memory card? And she said, no, ask Kennedy. So here we are. I'm starting to think that it's not, a, it's not Kennedy hiding it. Maybe you're just not good at keeping up with it. Well, it, it's it's a little bit of both, Josh. So it's partly if I'm in the room when Kennedy gets it, she'll bring it right to me because she knows that, you know, this is daddy, so let me bring it to him. But then if I put it somewhere she can grab it, then hey, it's fair game. Yeah, well, you know, she was probably trying to keep it safe for you. That way, you know, your game didn't get ruined and she could – she was being a good helper. Definitely. You know, it is probably deep somewhere in her toy box, somewhere safe. She just wants to make sure that you have the, the great gaming experience that you need. Eventually. Whenever you can find it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, speaking of video games, Josh, did you see the big news? Uh, PGA 2K21. This is awesome. It's bringing golf back, rejuvenating the game. Uh, what do you think about it? So I'm a little worried. Um, 2K was actually on – the Golf Club 2019 is the game I talk about on here quite a bit. Um, it's the game I'm probably going to be playing most of the night tonight because Kennedy took my uh, memory card from my 360, so I'm going to be back on the Xbox One tonight. But um, so 2K was already on that game as a you know one of the main producers of it. So I imagine for the upcoming game next year, they're just going to have a lot more funding in it. Um, but what kind of worries me is the preview video. Uh, did you see the Did you see the spoiler or the teaser video on Twitter? I did actually get to watch it, yes. So if you notice the guy in it, um, he was wearing a red shirt and black pants, but it was a white guy, and he was at a course that already exists on the game that, um, that I currently have. So not encouraging um, either spot there, because, you know, if you want to show, like, hey, we have Tiger Woods in our game, we have, you know, new courses in our game, we have new club sponsors in our game, new clothing sponsors in our game, that teaser video would have been the time to show it. I did see a, a news release or an article, I think it might have been on uh, CNN, I, I think is where I saw it, um, that said that there would be more to come on the game on May 16th. So maybe they were just kind of giving a first feel out and they were going to put some more information out on the 16th. 
because man, it would be tough. Because I saw something else that said that um, with them bringing the scheme back, you'd be able to play with your favorite golfer. So you would have to hope that you would be able to play with some of these big time names like Tiger. But you never know. Two K can either hit it out of the ballpark or they can really tank. Yeah, and I think I think um, the decider there will be if Tiger and Phil and guys like that are in the game or not. No matter how much money it takes to get the licensing for those guys, it's worth it. To have Tiger Woods in your game on the cover, that sells more, more copies than you're going to be able to make. And that's the reason you, you pay that fee. And there are a lot of people who love golf games, but they, there hasn't been a good one in such a long time. It's hard to get back into that market. So maybe once people see the game come out and hear a lot of the reviews and see how good 2K does or – or how bad they do, uh, it could get people back interested in the golf games. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Tiger Woods or Augusta have been in a video game since 07. Whew. So uh, speaking, did you say May 16th was the day that they're going to release that and the more, in, more information? That's what CNN put out. Okay, so uh, also on that day, we're set to get the Bundesliga back. So it's a German soccer league. Uh, it's one of the top soccer leagues in the world. Um, got teams like Bayern Munich, Schalke. Um, Augsburg, Wolfsburg, a lot of the top players in the world in that league. So definitely going to be fun to get that league back. Uh, definitely going to be laying down some money on that. Um, friendly wagers only, of course. Uh, Josh, how excited are you for that on May 16th? I'm very excited. Man, I, I'm, I'm excited where we're at right now, Kyler, because there are so many things happening. So live sports, or we're so close, and it feels like we're so far away at the same time. But that's literally in nine days. Nine days we have live sports on that's soccer. And I love watching soccer. To be honest, I actually enjoy watching women's soccer more than I do men's soccer. Um, but nonetheless, I will definitely be watching and tuning in to, uh, to that league. And I think uh, Munich is going to get to play. So that'll be a, a great way to start the live sports experience uh, after the great pause that we had. Yeah, also, uh, what's encouraging to see as well is they have nine or ten games remaining for each club in their regular season before their kind of playoff war season starts. And it's good to see that they're going to go ahead and finish those nine or ten games to go ahead and get their full season out so everyone is on the level playing field with the amount of games played. So that's encouraging to see um, possibly, you know, the NBA does the same. Yeah, Adam Silver, take note of that. If they're getting their regular season games done, let's make sure everybody does. Well, one thing we I heard talked about that today is if the possibility of the NBA doing that and, you know, teams like the Wizards or someone like that coming back, what are the chances that they just tell Brad Beal, like, hey, man, stay home. We don't – we're going to give your minutes to somebody else. We don't need you here. Uh, very low. I think that it's – for Beal's perspective, if, he, if they're going to play those season games, Beal wants – he's going to want to play because he's still – you know, he's making a name for himself. He's a, he's a competitor – as mad as he is that they're going out losing games, he's scoring 50, uh, he's still a competitor and wants to go out and get buckets on the team that he's going to get. So I don't think it'll, it'll matter either way. I think Bradley Bill will, will fight that and he'll want to play. Let's hope so. Uh, do you have any more headlines, Josh, or you want to get straight into the NFL schedule? No, so I've actually got something else uh, that came out today. Um, how about Giannis Antetokounmpo's password being Giannis34? Yeah, but also, Josh, it's a pretty strong password. Uh, could you spell it? Giannis? Yeah, I could. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a third-grade spelling bee runner-up, so I'm pretty uh, 
pretty good at that kind of stuff. Well, I'll tell you, Josh, if you put it in there, you know, password checker or whatever, it's going to give you a very strong rating. Giannis 34. Do you think the Jew is capitalized? Maybe that's what, maybe that's what took so long for people to figure it out. Where he issued, maybe it was G Atenacupo. I mean, that's a very strong password. That one is a strong password. So if you don't know about this already, Giannis's Twitter got hacked um, and some very, very bad tweets came out on this. Uh, Giannis has since issued an apology, but uh, the tweets uh, were very explicit in racial slurs. Uh, they added the NBA and then a racial slur. They accused LeBron James of hiring a hitman on Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, he's tweeted out that he was going to the Warriors. So Steph yeah. Curry. Huge range of emotions for Steph Curry here. On a huge high. You know, his eyes were lit up like a kid in Christmas when he first saw the tweet. Because that was, well, that was one of the first tweets that he sent out. I'm joining the Warriors. Yeah, and it blew up kind of as one of the bigger tweets that he put out. And then three tweets later or four, <laughs> I'm going to go screw your mom. Or I'm no, I'm screwing your wife. Sorry, I'm screwing your wife. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that Steph was not too happy about that second tweet, but it was a, it was a roller coaster of a ride today for the NBA and Giannis. Not a good look for the Bucks and Giannis, Giannis and the Bucks organization. Uh, that just always amazes me when stuff like this happens is just ha- – because the, the guy who did it is apparently this little white kid, and he was on, you know, Reddit message boards when he, as he was doing it saying, hey, I'm about to – you know, hack, hack a celebrity, hack an NBA player. And, of course, he did it, and they found out who it was. And it just amazes me how easily they're able to do it. Oh, so they already found who did it. Immediately. Yeah, they found it in real time. Oh, no way. That is – that's incredible. Because I, I, I had a huge conspiracy theory how I was going to loop it back to Michael Jordan. Oh, Michael. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't put that all on Michael, but uh, it, it would have been a conspiracy theory to get out there. Because maybe Giannis is coming up too hot, might become the new goat. Just couldn't have that. I don't think. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe Scotty. Uh, maybe Scotty more than Giannis or more than Jordan. But uh, or maybe it was Jerry. Hey, there we go. Yeah, let's put it on Jerry. I like that way better. I like Michael. Jerry, he did it. I think he's dead. But um. Oh my God! I feel even worse. All right, let's <laughs> go ahead and move on to the let's last go to something story. Else. Let's go ahead and move on to the last story I had. Josh, we were talking about this today, um, just kind of in jest about, you know, the college football and how much peril they're in, how much trouble they could be in in the coming years if they don't adapt somewhat of a minor league system to um, – I'm sorry, the NFL could invent a minor league system somewhat like baseball, somewhat like basketball that could land the NCAA in trouble with both their basketball and football programs. You saw McAfee say, you know, perhaps the move is some, some colleges just turn their sports teams into businesses and make them pro sports teams and, you know, sell tickets and play the, pay their players, you know, just as they would on pro sports team. Uh, and then just as we were talking about that, uh, Jim Harbaugh came out with a full-length proposal for the NCAA, kind of saying the same thing, uh, kind of turning the NCAA football into that, into the minor league system, saying that players should be allowed to leave after any year they feel, feel you know, necessary, be able to transfer without penalty, be able to have no cap on uh, scholarships or on redshirt seasons. So, uh, Josh, what do you think about that? Um, I know we were talking about it today, 
you think without something like this, the NCAA could be in trouble? Without it, do I think they'll get in trouble? No, I don't think that they'll be in trouble. Um, well, I don't know. It's tough. I think that this would help players. I don't know how much it would help the NCAA. I don't know that it would necessarily kill the NCAA either, but I think that it I don't think it would hurt them too much and it would probably, but it would definitely not help them. Um, Cause you're going to get that high level talent away and go into the, and go into that league to be able to mature and grow as a player, kind of like they do. And like we talked about minor league baseball, the new G league for basketball. So the up and coming G league. So it could be a great thing. And I think that the players, I'm a big player power in the players guy. So I think that this is a move that should happen. I think that these players need to have a spot that they can go to and make some money coming out of whenever they want to. If you don't want players going directly to the to the big stage at 18, 19 years old, that's fine. Send them to the the quote unquote minors and have them grow for a couple of years and then play whenever they're ready from your organization. Um, I guess I would I guess I would ask on that because I, this is kind of where my ignorance comes in for. Like the NBA G League, you see players all the time get moved around, go to different teams. So how easy is it for one team to grab another team's uh, quote-unquote minor leaguer? So I know on the practice squad for the NFL, it's super easy. So, uh, you know, maybe something like this, they would form somewhat of a scout team, rookie team, maybe like a JV sort of team for each NFL. And, uh, you know, players like – Trevor Lawrence after his, you know, incredible run after his freshman year at Clemson. I mean, I would much rather see him go straight into the NFL and start learning under an NFL quarterback in an NFL organization, lifting NFL weights, you know, getting ready for that game instead of wasting two years on a, on a Clemson campus, you know, doing God knows what, you know, and I just think I, that's where the NCAA and the NFL could benefit most. Yeah, and I think it I think it helps with because whenever he leaves, this is this is the thing that everyone thinks is going to kill the NCAA is because you know all these high level athletes, all these high level players are going to leave and you know join these programs. The thing is, there's going to be another quarterback step into that Trevor Lawrence role. It may not be the one directly under him, but there's going to be another quarterback out there that takes a spotlight and shines on the field. So I think that even with your high level players going to this farming system, I think that the NCAA will still see a high level of players. Obviously the talent drop off will be there a little bit, but for those players, I think that it's going to be great for college football in the sense that it's going to give a lot more players a chance to make a run in college, you know, make a run through the ranks. So I, I would definitely think that would benefit those kinds of players. Yeah. And kind of what we're seeing here with the NCAA now is that, you know, they're likely going to be pushing their season back to the spring solely because all of their revenue comes from the gate. It comes from the tickets. It comes from the season ticket packages. And it comes from all the students, you know, pouring all their money into all their beer that they got that morning to get into the stadium and then all the beer at the concessions in the first half. So and that's the reason they're going to push their season back so they can get all that money. They, they get 75% of their money from the gate 85 percent of their money comes from the gate and concessions it makes no sense for them to have a, a football season with no fans and you see the same thing with trevor lawrence there's he won't play the season if it's not in the fall there will be no sense in him playing in the spring when he's going to be the number one pick either way 
so I think, you know, we might see the talent watered down if this happens in the NCAA, but the money won't be. I mean, the, they're still going to be bringing out, like you said, you know, the next best guys. And that's still going to be, you know, a pretty good level, a pretty good talent level out there on the field and on the court in, in college basketball we're going to see in the next few years. Even with, I think this year, Josh, the G League, they landed three of the top seven recruits. And that's a, that's a really huge landing for this year. Just this is their first year announcing, you know, they're going to pay the players. That's huge for them. So what do you think that's going to be, in, be like in three to five years? I think that it's going to grow majorly. I think especially looking at the, the G League or the Players League uh, in, in the NBA, that, that's going to grow exponentially. That's going to be an amazing system because, like I've said, the NBA is so great at being proactive. The NBA is great at being able to construct these things in a way that's, that helps the league and helps the players. So I think that they are doing a great job of finding that middle ground to be able to help both sides. And that's going to be better for everyone, and that's going to cause – the level of play to increase and that's going to cause the players to grow and become better players. So the question I have about the G league is obviously college basketball is going to continue to be watched. Uh, March madness is still going to be a thing. It's not going away. I think that college basketball, same as college football, there are going to be players who necessarily NBA scouts aren't ready for them to take into the G league. So that way those players are going to be able to grow through college basketball instead of growing through the G League and that play-in league, that forming system. So you're still going to see players going through college. There will be high-level players that don't want to get out immediately. They want to have a college experience. So um, you can look for that too. And the thing about the NFL doing this, there's so many people already talking about it. That's, that's the thing. There's such momentum. There's a big push for it. I don't think that it's going to go away. I think that it's just, the push is going to get stronger and stronger um, from the owners and from the coaches in the NFL on the NCAA um, and if the NCAA doesn't like it, I could see the NFL saying, screw off, we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, that's exactly right. I could see, I could see the NFL adapting, if not 100% of the teams, 75% of the teams all developing a minor league system, much like the uh, minor league system in the MLB. They don't make any money. The minor league systems in basketball, make, they lose money every year. But it's worth it that one, one time every 20 years when you have an Alex Bregman or a Riley Adams come up, and win you the World Series, and, you know, then it pays off to have a minor league system. But like we said, Josh, you know, the talent would be watered down. Uh, but, I mean, let's go back to Le the LeBron James draft. He was the number one pick out of high school, but Carmelo Anthony won the national championship as a freshman. So that's the perfect example. I mean, you know, the talent is going to be watered down, but the Big East championship is still going to sell out Madison Square Garden. They're not going to lose any money from it. So for the NFL farming system – where would they play? Because could they – hold on, hear me out. Here's an idea. Could they take over on some of these days that uh, NCAA isn't playing and play at these college campuses to work out with the NCAA? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't, I don't give a shit play on Tuesdays. Play on Monday mornings. I, I mean, more football the better. And, I, where, I mean, as far as stadiums, I mean, these guys are billionaires. I mean, these NFL owners – to build a new training facility just for, you know, this JV team that I'm putting together, that wouldn't be a big, that wouldn't be a big deal at all. I mean, and you see a lot of the rumors coming out about um, a possible bubble scenario, putting all the teams in Dallas or in, you know, a few different cities, Dallas being one of them. Um, one of the main arguments being is uh, Jerry Jones just finished building one of the nicest high school facilities in the nation that has 16 
full facility, full football fields at in a, I think it was a six mile campus out just outside of Frisco. So, I mean, you saw him just be able to do something like that. Every NFL owner could do something like that. Yeah. And that's a good point. I just think that if you can partner with NCAA, it would be easier for them to uh, effectively buy into this kind of thing because, you know, it's going to help their schools out. And I don't see who wouldn't want, you know, the NFL players coming to your school because at the end of the day, that's going to be, Oh, look, we have the farming system that plays here already. You know, you can come to the program, you know, you can learn, you can, you know, I think that they can definitely use, I see some benefits there that teams can use. Well, I mean, what we saw, what we're going to see is can the NFL and NCAA form that partnership, keep this partnership together to actually come up with a good minor league system. They tried it with MLB. It didn't work. The MLB had to come up with their own minor league system. Same thing with NBA. So let's see if the NFL and NCAA can get it right. If I could put my money on someone not getting it right, it's going to be the NFL. Yeah, and NCAA for sure, no doubt. So I guess we can uh, go ahead and, unless you have something else, we can go ahead and dive right into the NFL schedule. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Let's uh, let's go ahead. You got an ad for us first, right, though? Oh, yeah. Here, I got an ad for you guys. Kyler, I know how much we both have loved what Anchor has given us as a podcasting platform. Ladies and gents, if you haven't heard of Anchor yet, you're missing out. Most importantly, it's free. Anchor gives you the ability to edit and upload your podcast directly from your phone to get anywhere you can get your podcast. Apple Music, Spotify, it'll be there. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listeners. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, Kyler, how do you want to start this? We've got a lot of options and a lot of things to dive into uh, on the schedule. Week one, let's start it off. Week one, all right, what's your, what's your first thought on week one? Buccaneers, Saints, who you got? Uh, give me the Saints all day. So I do have them in that game. Do you think they're going to win the division? Yes. I don't. I think they're going to. So I'm going to go with my boy Skip Bayless right here. He put it on Twitter earlier. You know, the Saints are going to take the week one matchup. The Buccaneers are going to take the division by a game. So I've actually, I've got uh, Saints going 13-3 and and Tampa Bay going 12-4. and So uh, I, this actually is a revenge game for Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, back up, replaced by Tom Brady. It's, it's going to huge revenge game for Jameis. Watch out for him. And I'll tell you why I think they're going to win game one. That's because New Orleans defense is so strong and it's going to be a huge test for Tampa yeah. Bay's offense coming in day one, working together with a very strange offseason. And I think New Orleans is just going to defensively beat the hell out of Tampa Bay. I think Tom the physicality of that line is about to see more defensive pressure than he saw his time in New England. Yeah, that's a good call there. I think the front seven of that defense uh, is going to show more pressure than Tom Brady has seen ever. Good call there. And so another game to look for that, you know, has always been kind of an upset game when Tom was there. Week one, uh, Miami against New England in New England. First game, Bill, without Tom against Miami, kind of a, a divisional rival there. Yeah, and I saw, I think it was on Bleacher Report, had both the teams going 5-11. and 11. What do you think about that? Oh, wow. So I have uh, Miami doing a little bit better than that. Um, I haven't went out through New England schedule yet, but – I could definitely see New England going 5-11. and 11. It wouldn't surprise me. 
Um, I have Miami going seven and nine. I think that they're going to – I think they're a seven – or I could see them going eight and eight, but seven and nine is more realistic. But it doesn't surprise me about New England. I it, Tank for Trevor. So who do you have winning that division? At Buffalo. At what? what Ten and I? six. So I've got the Jets and the Bills going ten and six, uh, and the Bill. I'm sorry, the Jets actually winning that division on a tiebreaker. You have the Jets winning the division. Yeah, my boy Sam Darnold. Man, he was really good last year. That offense was really good when everybody was healthy last year. They played the Bucks or they played the Bills twice, so I guess we'll see. But man, they. I mean, their schedule is not easy. They've got uh, Buffalo twice, San Francisco, Denver, Kansas City. Miami twice, which could be a problem or could be easy. I think it's a problem. Cleveland and Seattle. So we'll, we'll see. Easy weeks in the NFL, Josh. I think I think one of the only teams that uh, may have gotten a break in their schedule. Uh, that's going to be the Cowboys. How did you like their schedule? Uh, Dallas's cow. Or their schedule. It was relatively easy. I don't. I definitely don't think it was the easiest. Um, but they definitely have a lot of winnable games. The but the thing about the Cowboys, man, it wouldn't matter. They could have a middle-of-the-road schedule, and they should still win a lot of those games. Dallas is just known to screw up and piss the bed against some of the weaker teams in the NFL. It's been the most amazing thing I've seen in my life. So their combined winning percentage – or their, their opponent's combined winning percentage this coming season is below 500. It's 460. So it's a – a good schedule for the Cowboys coming up. Like you said, hopefully they can, you know, put that potent offense to good use. So I will tell you my easiest, my easiest schedule, I think, who has it. And I, and I mention them all the time. It's my favorite team. But Baltimore's schedule, man, yeah. is so easy. And especially the last three games of the season, going right into the playoffs, you start it, the last four, you start with Cleveland, then you go to Jacksonville, or you have Jacksonville at home the Giants at home, and then you go to Cincinnati. If you, you talk about an easy way to end the season and like a good way to get some rest for your starters but still be able to run through, it couldn't be anything better for Baltimore. Man, they could probably start, what, 9-0, Well, so that's, that's at the end of the season. No, I'm saying like if, if they could get past the Chiefs in that, what is that, week three? Week three, yeah. If, I mean, so that's a big matchup. We can talk about that here in a second. But, uh, yeah, we, if they can get past that, they could probably start off 9-10-0. Easily, yeah. If they get past the Chiefs, then they'll start out on a huge run. Because the thing about – well, I'll save it for a second whenever we, go, whenever we dive into that Let's go matchup. ahead and get into it. Okay, so I think that the big thing about Baltimore is their offense is still going to be potent. I think that they're – the Chiefs will too – but the, the difference is all Baltimore did was improve their defense. Their defense is going to be the biggest reason for this. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs can score in 30 seconds or less if they have to. But I think that the pieces that Baltimore put, the, the players they added, and getting that uh, chemistry built with everyone, I think that defense is going to take a huge step forward in an offense that's already powerful and added a couple more weapons there. So um, I I am excited to see how the Chiefs use Edward Allaire. Uh, I think that that's going to be a uh, somebody to really watch out for, especially already in week three. I think he's going to be able to come in and make an impact. And Patrick Mahomes is a different player, but so is Lamar Jackson. So that's that's one of my key matchups for the year. 
because that year, that game is so big for both teams because that could essentially be a tiebreaker. Yeah, for, I think it definitely could be. And like you said, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to see how Edwards Lair pairs with the Mahomes, but in the same sense, it's going to be so fun to see how Dobbins pairs with Lamar Jackson and the rest of that offense that's coming in. Um, yeah, it is a 425 start on uh, – I'm sorry, I'm, I'm looking at week two. What time do they play on week three? Uh, they have a Monday night game, I'm pretty sure. Monday night, perfect. So I'm looking at week two here. Um, both teams play at 425 in week two. They play the Chargers and the Texans, respectively. So they're going to start out both 2-0, and um, unless, unless my boy Justin Herbert, or in my prediction, Tyrod Taylor, comes out and shocks the Chiefs week two. But uh, another week two matchup I really wanted to get into, the Saints at Las Vegas. So we're going to finally get to see that spaceship of a – of an arena in Las Vegas, hopefully with some fans in it. What do you think about the Raiders and their schedule? Uh, so I don't think very highly of the Raiders uh, this year, but their schedule is okay. I mean, they don't have, you know, they start off Carolina, you know, they're probably going to lose to New Orleans, but then you've got New England, Buffalo. So, I mean, they have a chance to, to be three and one starting out, and then they're going to lose to Kansas City. So, you know, they'll be two and three going into their bye week. And then after that, I mean, they've got a lot of games that they, they have a possibility to win because, I mean, they were in a lot of the games last year and they improved. I mean, you know, they got the receiver that they wanted, all speed, uh, someone to, to balance out with Josh Jacobs, a powerful running back. So you, you could see some, some moves made there, but I, I'm just not, I'm just not sold on Las Vegas this year. It will be, I am excited to see that, damn good looking arena yeah like you said uh they do still have some holes on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball as well I'm not I'm not too keen on the moves they made on the defensive side of the ball but you know with going against teams like the Chiefs like the Bills the Buccaneers and the Saints all season long it's going to be tough for them to to pull out some wins even though they will be in that fancy arena so what is your was that Kansas City uh Baltimore game your number one Game of the year? Is that your highlight game? Number one game of the year. Hmm. Let me look here. Like with uh, the most implications, we, yeah, everything. What is your highlight game of the year? Because I've got mine. Yeah, I have it here too. I'm looking for mine. I just need to find it. Go ahead and tell me yours. So mine is all the way in week 15. It is at New Orleans against Kansas City. Nice. Okay. Let me, let me. I, I think that this game is going to be huge because I think both teams will be fighting for a bye, and I think that this will be the game that knocks either one of those teams out of that bye position. So I think uh, if and when New Orleans beats Kansas City in Week 15, they will knock Kansas City to 13 and three, which 12 and three, and the next week to win 13 and three, and Baltimore will get that edge at 14 and two. But if Kansas City were to beat New Orleans, I think it would drop them and uh, mm -hmm. they would have a spot to claim that by. So that's, that's, my, that's my highlight of the year. I'm a huge Drew Brees fan as well. So I'm, I love watching the Saints. And so that's definitely the, my highlight of the year. Yeah, and that's going to be another thing to note all year long is the Drew Brees farewell tour. I think he'll come out before the season starts and, you know, formally announce that this will be his last year. And I think he will get that farewell treatment that we, we've seen so many players get the past few years, uh, Kobe most notably. Um, so I found it. So it's my 
this is more my overall number one week. So I just love this week so much. But number one matchup, uh, it's the Cowboys at the Ravens week 13. Uh, Dak versus Lamar, those two defenses are going to be shored up by then. Um, I'm ex so excited to see those two teams. It's going to be really a do-or-die time for the Cowboys especially. I think the Ravens are going to be fine around that time. But I could definitely see the Cowboys having their struggles being, you know, five and six, six and four, something like that around that time. So we'll see. Uh, we're going to see that. But also that week is the Bengals at the Dolphins, Tua versus Tua versus Burrow. So I'm definitely excited to see that matchup, Josh. Uh, in that matchup, especially Tua, Tua versus Burrow and then Dak versus Lamar, who do you see the better of those matchups? Uh, so I think that – so it's, it's different. I'm going to go to the Dallas-Baltimore game first. I think that it's a different kind of doing good for the quarterbacks. Dak Prescott has so many weapons, but the Baltimore defense is crazy. It's going to be very good this year. And Baltimore added a couple offensive weapons. So I think that I think that you're going to see probably Dak have a better number game. I think Baltimore wins the game, but I think that you see a lot of rushing and just beating up that defense. It's, uh, it's at Baltimore on Thursday night. Yeah, that, that – I would agree with it even more. I think that Baltimore is going to beat up the defense. I think that they're going to keep pounding the rock, pounding the rock. Something that you could see a lot from Baltimore is a little triple option game this year. Lamar, Dobbins, and Ingram. So that's uh, that's definitely something to watch out for. We all know Lamar likes to use his legs. But Dak has so many weapons in Dallas, it's hard for – it's hard to say that he could have any bad games this year. Because uh, if he does, I mean, it, it would have to be on him or that defense just playing really well because he has – a plethora of people to go to, and Mike McCarthy is known to get his quarterbacks in a good situation. Uh, and then moving over to – or do you have something on right there? No, go ahead. All right, so going over to Tua and Burrow, by that time I think that Miami's defense is going to be looking really good, but I also think that Cincinnati's offensive line has a chance to be decent or right above decent. So – I think that Burrow will have a better game, and I think that that will solely be because he has more weapons. Mm -hmm. I think that his weapons will be able to outmaneuver the defensive position to make him look like the better quarterback on the field. I think that Miami needs to add a, a receiver or two. I don't think that the ones that they have is going to be able to to do it for Tua. So, so I – I don't think that two is going to have a bad game by any means because he's at the end of the day, he's still playing Cincinnati. And I think that Miami probably wins that game, but I think that Burrow will have the better numbers. So two other things I wanted to look at here. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about the revenge games. Um, so obviously week three, the chiefs and the Ravens, obviously going to be a big revenge game for Lamar there. Uh, moving on. I think that, you know, obviously any game that, Odell Beckham Jr. is in is going to be a revenge game. He might just tell someone to trade for him on the sideline. So that's definitely something to look for. But he also has a big matchup returning to New York. Uh, I think it's week 14, somewhere around there. So that's a big revenge game. The last revenge game that I've got on my slot is uh, Aaron Rodgers' revenge against the Packers front office. I think he's either going to sabotage the season or he's going to pull an Odell Beckham Jr. and tell teams to act. He's going to be actively telling teams to trade him during the season. So some, a couple of 
weeks to watch out for. Week nine against at the 49ers. You know he's a Cali boy. You know he would love to be in that in that red in that Kyle Shanahan offense. So definitely look for him to ask for a trade in week nine. Um, I think they make a trip up to New England. Definitely look for Aaron Rodgers to ask for a trade there. Um, all of these weeks definitely I think are possible landing spots or landing move weeks that Aaron Rodgers could be on the move landing somewhere else. So I don't. So you think Aaron Rodgers is going to sabotage the team? I uh, predicted it a couple weeks ago, and I'll say it again: Aaron Rodgers will not finish this season in a Packers jersey. Well, the Packers were pretty sure that they could pull Jordan Love right in there and take that spot. That will definitely be a uh, that will definitely be a headline and something to watch throughout the season to see how disgruntled Aaron Rodgers is and to see what Matt Lafleur uh, does with him and Jordan Love. So my my last. Uh, revenge game would definitely have to go to uh, week seven, San Francisco 49ers at New England. So this is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo versus Jared Stidham, uh, backup quarterbacks for Tom Brady. Which quarterback would have been uh, been better to take over the reins after Brady left? So I think that this will be a game where if Stidham is playing, which I think he will be, it will be a great time for him to be able to, to show his strengths or – to crash and burn in front of Garoppolo. Ooh, I've got the perfect revenge game also. Week before that one, week six, Browns at Steelers. Miles Garrett, Hel- Helmet Gate. Uh, this is going to be an electric matchup. We're going to have Miles Garrett back. Probably not uh, Mason Rudolph, just because he's an awful quarterback and probably not in the NFL anymore. Uh, but we will have Miles Garrett there. You know, he's a he is an elite pass rusher. Pass rusher. Um, it was an unfortunate situation last week or last year. But, you know, there's going to be explosive stars. Baker Mayfield, OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. It, against that, you know, elite Steelers defense. So it's going to be a good matchup there. Yeah, it's something that, you know, a lot of people aren't talking about right now. I think the Steelers have a decent chance to – you know, finish somewhere in the middle of the pack towards getting that playoff spot. Their defense can be really good, and Mike Tomlin has been Big Ben back. And I'm telling you, Big Ben, I, I'm not saying that he's the best quarterback because I don't think that he is, but he's a veteran who knows how to get wins. And at the end of the day, that's what's most important. So he can squeeze out a couple of those wins that they just didn't have because of, uh, like, a quarterback play last year. You could see, the, you could see uh, Pittsburgh fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, yeah, I think they have a, a favorable middle and end of the schedule. But I think when I was looking at it, their first six weeks were really tough. I think their best chance to get a win was at Houston. So, I, I'm, you know, if they can have a good finish to the season, I think I think so. But I think they have a really good a really good shot to start probably two and three. So here's their here's the beginning of their schedule. Uh, Pittsburgh starts at the Giants. They have Denver at home, Houston at home, at Tennessee, Philly at home. Cleveland at home, and then to Baltimore. Yeah, not an easy schedule there for a Big Ben returning from a year of injury. Yeah, but uh, I think that defense is going to have a field day at the Giants and playing against Houston. Uh, Deshaun Watson can only do so much with his legs before that man's having to run for his life without an offensive line and a coach that knows what the hell he's doing. Well, I just drafted Will Fuller into my fan, into my dynasty league, so let's hope that uh, he throws it up to my boy Will Fuller. You just gotta. You just gotta hope that Will Fuller stays healthy. That's his problem. So I actually have. I have another highlight game I want to go into. Uh, week fourteen, Tampa Bay versus Miami. 
I think that this game has the potential uh, for an upset for Miami. Tom Brady's always struggled uh, whenever facing Miami. And this year, Miami's defense has very much improved. The team has improved overall. It'll be Tua versus Tom Brady. This is definitely a game to watch out for and one that uh, Miami could come in and upset Tampa Bay. You know, Brady's always always struggled against the against the Dolphins. He's famously had, you know, some of the most famous upsets in NFL regular season history have been the, the Dolphins upsetting the Patriots. So it's definitely going to be, uh, you know, upset alert there for the Patriots. And that is a huge matchup because if they were to lose that, that 12-4 and four season, 13-3, and three could wind up 11-5 and five if they're not careful. So let's go ahead and go into the Monday Night Football matchups. Which ones were your favorite from for Monday nights? So obviously you have to start with the Kansas City-Baltimore game. That's the one of the best matchups all year, but for a Monday night, that is going to be electric. Um, and then um, I'm actually a really huge fan of Atlanta Green Bay, Matt Ryan versus Aaron Rodgers. I think that's going to be a fun one to watch week four. And then I also had another one that I'm really looking forward to is week six or week 10, uh, the Vikings versus the Bears. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's going to be a great matchup. I'm not too confident in the Bears, but Minnesota has been doing some crazy things and I don't think their defense is going to be as good this year. So that's going to be a very interesting game, one uh, full of highlights. The seeing is if the Bears can throw the ball further than eight yards. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully not, because I also got Cole Komet in my, in my dynasty league. So hopefully he just throws it, you know, seven, eight yards to Cole Komet, 12, 13 times a game, we're good. So uh, my favorite matchups for the – I think they're completely missing the boat here. Week one, they have a double matchup, Steelers at Giants, Titans at Broncos. They should do that every week. Just take one of those 130, 430 games and throw it on Monday night. I don't understand why they don't do that more. See, I, I disagree. I love the one game on Monday night. I think it, it puts it on a pedestal. But if they did do back-to-back, it would uh, increase the amount of football I got to watch on Mondays and the amount of alcoholic beverages consumed, which means more money for the teams and more money. Hmm. Yeah, just this. it would be a, a longer wait for Sports Center. So I, I guess that would be my only complaint there. But we would also get a longer update throughout the week versus just that one game after Monday. On Tuesday, they'd be dissecting two games instead of one game all day long. Yep. Because on Tuesday, that's what it is. Monday, they talk about the game that night for just a little bit, and then they preview the entire weekend. And then Tuesday, it's all that one game. There we go. So, So uh I'm going to go ahead and get into my, week, into my Monday Night Football matchups that I really like. So I mentioned it a little bit earlier, the Saints at the Raiders. So we're going to see that, obviously, that spaceship of a, of a stadium unveiled week two when the Drew Brees goes to town on his farewell tour. Uh, week six, I really like the Cardinals headed, headed to Dallas. Kyler Murray on Monday Night Football on that matchup. Headed back to Oklahoma. I think he's actually from the dallas Frisco area, isn't he? He's up from somewhere around there. Yeah, I think he's from Texas. Um, and also, the uh, the Browns also make a trip to the Cowboys at some point this season. I think it was actually the week after the Red River Red River rivalry game. So, uh, just going to miss that by a week if that even happens. Uh, so, which which one are you more excited? Which OU quarterback are you more excited to see make his return to Dallas 
Kyler Murray with the Cardinals or Baker and the Browns? Uh, definitely Baker and the Browns. Uh, just because I think the game is going to be better. More stars on the field uh, with Cleveland. Obviously, every week they have a plethora of weapons. And so I think that that's going to be a very high-scoring football game. I think that Baker's going to really take a step forward this year. I think that they did a really good job in cheering up that offensive line and adding Austin Hooper for that depth at tight end. So I'm really looking forward to watching the Browns this year. I think they're going to play really well. So I don't know if you saw this. Um, I, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm, I'm very excited for DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. I think they're going to run up and down the field on that, on that Dallas defense, no matter how good they are. Uh, I think they're going to be that dominant this year. Um, and I actually saw that the Cowboys had a really good shot to trade for DeAndre Hopkins, and they just didn't. They didn't want to give up the, the trade, the, the draft pick, the, you know, basically CeeDee Lamb. They didn't want to give up CeeDee Lamb for DeAndre Hopkins. And I think CeeDee Lamb – or I'm sorry, DeAndre Hopkins took some offense to that. He said in an Instagram comment, you know, he took a little offense to that. So uh, I, I'm definitely excited for that matchup. Going to add a little bit of spice to it. I think the, I think the Cowboys are going to end up taking down Baker and the Browns. I'm still not confident in Baker's ability in big games. So until I see that on the professional level, I'm, I'm going to go with my boy Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. So I saw a great uh, tweet today and a great point from uh, Diana Rossini, uh, ESPN uh, friend over there. She came out and said that it was unfair for – she was tweeting at someone. I don't remember who put out the take. I think it was Marcus Spears. Um, he put out the take that Baker, you know, couldn't perform. You, it, this was a nut up or shut up kind of year for Baker Mayfield, and that takes me out there a lot. And she put out a great point that I completely agree with that I don't think so. I think that he's got a little bit of flexibility this year because he's had a new head coach every year that he's been in the NFL. He's had limited time uh, to study for this year with, with teammates, with coaches. So until you get a little bit of consistency into that, I don't think it's fair to say that he's a bust or that it's time to nut up or shut up. I do think that he has to take a major step forward here. I think that uh, – you know, obviously you have you want him to play better than what he did last year, but I don't think it's nut up or shut up. He had a really good rookie year, and he, he regressed in the sophomore slump with a terrible head coach who is no good, and now he's coming in with a brand-new system, and you would expect him to take a little step forward. But how big a step forward is he going to have to take for people to not call him a bust? I mean, at this point, uh, I'm going to need to see a, a step forward. I'm going to need to see – you know, the big, big time decision making that, you know, that reflects a quarterback that deserves to have an NFL starting job. And part of that does come down to the coach. And I think Kevin Stefanski is the man for the job. He's got the weapons now. He's got Austin Hooper. He's got the middle, along with another, you know, great tight end in Joku. He's got Jarvis Landry. He's got Odell Beckham Jr. He's got the offensive line. He's got Kareem Hunt. He's got Nick Chubb. I don't know what else he needs, Josh. The weapons are definitely there. The weapons are there. But I put a lot of the blame on Freddie Dummy Kitchens last year on a lot of those play calls, a lot of things that were happening. I think Freddie was a terrible head coach. And I think that with this new, the new people coming in, Spanscape uh, and all them, I think that it's going to be a great time for Baker to be able to shine and them to put him in a system to succeed. Because at the end of the day, you're still looking at the 2017-2018 season in 2017, the Browns' record, do you remember what it was? Not good. 0-16. Yep. 0-16, and they went up to seven, eight wins. 
Yeah, I mean, that, it's going from zero multiple years, one win, zero wins, Baker turning that franchise around. Idiot of a head coach. So, you're, so hopefully with, you know, an, a brilliant offensive mind, really, and, and Kevin Stefanski, and he's a great defensive coach as well, hopefully he, he loves his two tight end sets. He, you're going to see a lot of Austin Hooper and Njoku. So if, you're, if, you're, if you have either of those on your fantasy team, you know, don't sell high or sell low on either of those guys. They're going to be great contributors, especially Austin Hooper. He's a great pass-catching tight end. I'm, high, I'm really high on them this year, and I'm going to need to see a lot from Baker. I, I, I love Diana Rossini. I agree that, you know, it hasn't been fair for Baker, that he hasn't, you know, gotten the fair shake with, with his coaches and, you know, with the trust and with the weapons each year and year out with the consistency. But, I, again, we need to see a step up. He's still an NFL-level quarterback, and we need to see, we need to see a step up. I agree, and I'm glad that you mentioned fantasy right there because there's a team that I highlighted that I wanted to talk about on a fantasy level real quick, and that is Buffalo. So Buffalo, if you have a player, if you're in a fantasy, a, a redraft league, and you have a player from Buffalo on your team, something to know, and I, and I think I hit on it a little bit, um, was their difficulty to finish the season. Not difficulty, but their the defenses they play. So after their bye week, they go Chargers, 49ers, Pittsburgh, Denver, New England, Miami. So if you have a player on that team, you might look at uh, trading them midseason, week seven or eight, because that after that bye week, it is going to get brutal for the Buffalo Bills scoring the football. They already had a trouble doing it last year. Yeah, they added Stephon Diggs. We hope that Allen steps into his role a little bit more. But, man, that is against some solid defenses there. That's a great call by you by telling them to, uh, you know, sell high maybe midseason on a, on any of your Bills players. You know, I would say besides Devin Singletary, I, I'm, I'm so high on him this season. In that same vein, um, that's why I'm kind of high on the Bills winning that division, sneaking out in the later in the later half of that season and claiming the AFC East. Yeah, I definitely think that they will. I think Buffalo has a great chance to win it. Um, so something else that we haven't really hit on yet is the NFL's flexibility rules. Uh, so it looks like the if the NFL season were to get pushed back, as many weeks they push back, they will add those weeks on to the end of the season. So when does the season when, – when is usually week 17? Uh, I mean – I, the week one starts on September 10th. I'm pulling it up so. now. So week 17 would be January 3rd. So if we pushed it back three weeks, it would be, you know, that's a little bad of math here. January 24th. Pushing it back three weeks? It's yep. 21. What day did you say? The third. So yeah, 24th. So that puts the Super Bowl in what, March? Yeah. Week of March. I don't hate it. Super Bowl right into March Madness, even closer. I don't hate it. Not at all. I think it's a – I mean, it's a – I'm actually really proud of the NFL, and I don't see this very often. I'll, I won't say proud. I'll say surprised by Roger Goodell. He uh, seems like he's doing something right here. Well, yeah, I mean, we've seen this the entire – I mean, this has been kind of the mood of the, the tone of the NFL. We're going to continue as if nothing is happening because this isn't affecting us. We can do everything we're going to do from home anyways. We're going to continue 
to try and dominate the media calendar 365 days a year like we always do. You know, we announce that we're going to announce when the schedule's coming out. You know, we don't announce when the schedule's coming out. We're just announcing that we're going to announce when the schedule's coming out. And to be able to pull moves like that, just power moves, basically, that Roger Goodell makes and that marketing, the marketing gurus at the NFL, uh, you know, that just shows how smart they are. Yeah, it's, it's such a great move. And honestly, it's just having that power, having the luxury to be able to do that and say, no, this is when we're going to, this is what we're going to do. This is when we're going to do it. And for the longest time, you know, there was a lot of criticism. I gave them criticism. They were tone deaf during the middle of the coronavirus at the very beginning of it, not the middle of it, at the beginning of it, just wanting to go ahead and step forward with everything. But I think that the way that they pulled it off so far has actually been very refreshing and very surprising. So I, uh, I'm going to take a little step, get my toes wet in the uh, degenerate's den. I'm going to sit up in the lounge chair. Um, so I've got a couple of... You hear, the, you hear uh, the fire crackling in the background, Josh? It sounds uh, nice. Got the newspaper out, smoking a cigar. I got a couple of new paintings door. up. How do they look? They look beautiful. All right. So I'm going to start with my favorite uh, over-under for teams this season. I'm going to go with Packers over eight and a half. So I'm going to smash the under um, just because, like I said, they're going to trade Aaron Rodgers. So when is the trade deadline? Week 11? Week 9? Yeah, somewhere right around there. So I think he's, they're going to get off to a hot start. He's going to start off maybe 5-1, and 4-2, and two, and then he's going to start sabotaging. He's going to start literally throwing the ball straight into the ground. He's going to start asking coaches to trade for him mid-game. Uh, even if, you know, they're not playing someone he's, he wants to go to, he's going to be, you know, maybe ask, hey, do you know Bill? Do you, can you ask Bill to trade for me? Can you call him up maybe after the game? We're going to see that from Aaron Rodgers a lot. And until that, until, until he gets moved, he's going to continue to sabotage. And they're going to put in Jordan Love, and that's really going to sabotage the season. So I don't – so two things there. I don't agree with sabotaging the season. I think that Aaron Rodgers is a competitor. He's getting older. He wants to win football games. Uh, I think that he's going to be man enough to play football when asked and still ask for a trade on the side if that's what he wants to go. I think that he's going to play at a high level this year. He wants to still be good for that whenever teams trade for him. They know who they're getting in Aaron Rodgers. He's a prolific quarterback, one of the all-time greats. He's going to lead that team to a lot of wins. I think that he finished the season out in a Green Bay Packer uniform. But even if he didn't, I don't think that he would be leaving them in incapable hands in Jordan Love. I think that uh, obviously he would have some struggles as a quarterback. He might not be completely ready to get into the NFL, but – uh, you know, after that, he's got a couple of winnable games, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Chicago, Philadelphia, Detroit. Those are – and Carolina. Those are all games that he – that Jordan Love could win. And so I definitely think, especially that end of the season, the Packers have a lot of games that they could win. I am, I am betting my house on the over for eight and a half for the Green Bay Packers. So is that an actual, um, an actual line that you've gotten somewhere? Uh, yeah, I got this from uh, – let me find it here. I think I got it maybe from somewhere on Twitter. Maybe Mike Clay. No, it was the sports line. Yeah, cause that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty attractive line right there. I I mean, you know, jokingly, I you know, saying that Aaron Rodgers is going to sabotage the season and get out of there as soon as possible. You know, that makes it a little harder to believe. But in all things, you know, taken seriously, that's definitely an over. I mean, that's I don't think 
you could seriously bet the under in that. So that is from Sportsline put it out via um, William Hill US, largest sports book operator. Yeah, so so uh, week one lines, uh, you've got Kansas City minus 10 and a half. Oh, this is the week one lines. Let me see if I can find the uh, – let me see if I can find the week one, 10 and a half against the Texans, right? That's huge. Yeah. So yeah, week one, 10 and a half versus Texans. Baltimore is minus eight and a half against Cleveland. Detroit minus one against Chicago. Buffalo minus five and a half at the Jets. Uh, oh, that's another thing I wanted to talk about. On uh, I don't know if you saw the Thanksgiving matchups. I'm so fucking tired of watching the Lions and how shitty they are, if we're going to have them on literally every holiday, I think they even play on Christmas Day. There's one game on Christmas Day. It's a Friday night, and I'm pretty sure it's the Lions. If we're going to keep getting these games, I understand the need, the nostalgia to have them on Thanksgiving, to have Matt Patricia's fat ass walk around with a stupid pencil behind his ear and have the little turkeys by the scoreboard. I get it. Make them a little better. They're horrible to watch. A little bit of gravy on her shirt. I'm sick of it. Yeah. That's what time we eat dinner. I'm sorry, we eat lunch. We eat Thanksgiving lunch. We eat it around 11, 12 every, every year. My grandpa comes over, and the Lions are always on the fucking TV, and I hate it. You're pretty, tell me how you really feel. So I hate the Lions and Matt Patricia. Okay. Well, we're not an anti-Detroit podcast. I am a, I'm a huge fan of some of the Detroit players and what they've got going on there. Uh, Matt Patricia needs to start dressing more like a head coach and acting more professional. I would definitely say that about the man. And for being such a defensive mind, he needs to figure out the defensive side of the ball with Detroit. Um, So speaking on that, um, speaking of the defensive side, here's another line that I wanted for you to look at. So Tom Brady on week one, I saw the stat earlier, and I can't remember how many weeks. uh, He has been the favorite in a shit ton of weeks uh, coming into the NFL. Oh, yeah. And he is New Orleans minus four and a half against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a plus four and a half dog? Yeah. Wow. I'm definitely – week one in the dome, right? Yeah, week uh, week one – yeah, week one in the dome. Yeah, I'm going to have to lean on that four and a half there. I'd take the Saints on that one. Yeah, so there's a you know we've already got two out of a three-way parlay: Kansas City, New Orleans, and then let's see who we could add there. Seattle minus one in Atlanta. That's a tough one. Yeah, forget a sponsorship, Josh. We just need to put all this anchor money in, into the into a little three-team, four-team parlay week one. I am down for that. Let's just risk it all. Risk the podcast on week one. Sell the mic, sell our computers. Hey, we're going, going, go big or go home. Go big or go home. So speaking of that, uh, I've got another line that was put out uh, for um, the over-unders by Sportsline, and I'm going to go with the Bears under eight and a half. Bears under eight and a half wins. Wow. I don't, I don't think that they I, – I think that they're like a – Six and ten team. Six and ten. I think they're going to get off to a really hot start. Look at their first five games. I mean, it. I mean, Detroit winnable. 
the Giants winnable. I think they lose to Atlanta. I think they lose to Indianapolis. They lose to Tampa Bay. I think they lose to Carolina. Yeah, I'm, yeah, under eight and a half for me. Teddy at Carolina? What? You think they lose to Teddy in Carolina? Yes. I'm not, I'm not high on Chicago at all. They – and it's crazy to think because two years ago they had an amazing season. I think that there's just too much uncertainty at quarterback. They're, the system isn't there for them to move the ball down the field. I've got a lot of question marks about Chicago. So I'm so low on Chicago's quarterbacks, obviously with Mitch Trubisky. Uh, and honestly, a, a couple of weeks ago, Josh, we were having this discussion. I was listening back to a couple of, other, of the episodes. And in one of the discussions, I completely forgot Nick Foles even played for that team. And you had to remind me. I was talking about how Mitch Trubisky would have to have someone to throw to. You're like, well, Nick Foles is probably going to have a starting job. I was like, well, hell. Like, but the thing is, I don't even – I don't have faith in Nick Foles at all. And one argument I've heard is that, you know, he had such huge success in that, in that role in Philadelphia and hasn't since then, obviously. But one of those coaches that was under that Doug Peterson coaching tree was Matt Nagy. So maybe him and – him and Nick Foles can, can spark back together that relationship. It will be fun to watch. Hopefully, what I'm really hoping for, because I have Mitch in Dynasty, so I have a little bit invested in him. I'm hoping that Nick Foles showing up, being the veteran, maybe helped him out a little bit and gave him a little bit of uh, fire under his ass to become the quarterback that the Bears took number one overall over uh, a couple of other guys who were just mediocre. So hopefully Mitch can step into his own. So the only the, – the biggest thing I have left, Kyler, is to talk Super Bowl after we've seen the schedule, unless you have something else. No, I don't have anything else. I'll go ahead. I'm ready to talk that. Okay, so after looking at the schedule, uh, pouring over it, what teams – so first we'll go with what teams do you think are getting the bye? Ooh, the bye. So it's, it's still two buys per conference, right? Uh, yes, I think so. Well – they expanded. I think they were talking about taking it to one by. Yeah, I think it is. I think they might. I think that might be implemented this season. Yeah, I think. That, I think it did. It started this season. One by for each conference. So one by per conference. So it's. I think. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to get it for the AFC. I think you're going to disagree with me there. Uh, I do disagree. I think that. Uh, but I mean, it could go either way. I'm not. But right now, I think that Baltimore is going to get it. Uh, I think I have the Chiefs at thirteen and three, and Baltimore at fourteen and two. So, what about for the other side? Who do you have? Oh, uh, the other side of the ball. Let me hear yours first. Uh, so, I've actually got New Orleans taking it at thirteen and three. See, I, th- I figured you were going to go there. I'm going to say the Bucks at twelve and four, and I think the Bucks and the Saints. I said earlier that they could. Uh, the, my prediction was they're going to the Bucs would take that division by a game over the Saints. Uh, in this scenario, I actually have them both at 12-4 and four and the San Francisco 49ers at 12-4, and four, but I have the Bucs actually getting the tiebreaker over both those teams. I also have San Francisco at 12-4, and four, by the way. I think that New Orleans is going to separate themselves by that one game. Um, so for my Super Bowl, I'm going to actually put both of my bye teams in the Super Bowl. No upsets here. Um, and, I, and one reason I'm doing this because it just makes me happy to think because I'm, I love Drew Brees and what the Saints are doing. 
but Baltimore is my team. I'm a part of the flock. So at the end of it, I want to see Baltimore beat the Saints uh, in a last-second touchdown by Lamar Jackson running out the clock. You know, I'm just not big enough on the Saints and what they do on the defensive side of the ball to put them over the edge. I mean, we, year in and year out, Josh, we've seen them get burned by the likes of Stephon Diggs. Um, what is it, three years in a row now? They've been, they've been beaten by Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs in the playoffs? And the Zebras? I mean, until, and, and, until, we see, until I see them get past that, then, I mean, we're gonna, it's going to be a tough matchup. For the, I don't see them even getting past the, the conference matchup, the divisional, the, the divisional round even. So who do you have getting to the Super Bowl? I think we're going to see the all-time matchup, the proverbial passing of the torch, and I think the taking back of the torch, perhaps, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. The Bucks and the Chiefs. The Bucks have, I think, we were talking about Josh. I asked you, how long do you think um, Brady has in the league? Because you're heading into my fantasy draft. You know, what round do you think he's going to go? I think he went in the sixth round. I think he was a really early take. I think, you know, there was a string of quarterbacks that went, so I wasn't really surprised. But I, I think he has a two- or three-year window. Um, you were leaning towards a two-year window. And if so, that's two years to get to, with, to win a Super Bowl. For this Tampa Bucks team, they have two years to win a Super Bowl. And I think that starts this year. So I will say that this Tampa Bay move feels a lot like the Toronto Raptors move in getting Kawhi in that they are definitely going all in. They want to win. They shirt up the defense side in the draft, and they brought in Tom and Grunk. So they are definitely trying to win. This definitely feels like a, a Kawhi move. But I just – I don't think year one's going to be the year. It is going to be a huge adjustment period for him. But so did you have, did you have uh, Tampa Bay beating the Chiefs? Uh, you know, Josh, that's it's that. I think this first year, yes, this first matchup, I've got Tom Brady taking down the Kansas City Chiefs just in a year because the only real retooling the Chiefs have done has been to add Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And, you know, as an elusive and an essential back as he is, it's still only one running back and he is a rookie. And that's all, it, all they've done, I think, on either side of the ball. So it will, uh, this season is going to be so much fun. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to football, and it's fun to be able to, to pour through the season schedule and make our predictions and find out who's going where and what's going to happen. It was a lot of fun, Josh. We probably went way too long. Everybody probably tuned out around 10 minutes ago. But, uh, I will ask, so the people, who, the people who stuck around, let's give them one more little nugget here. Which coach – are you most excited or what coach do you think is going to have the best season uh, coming through the schedule, looking at everything? I mentioned it earlier. Uh, it's my guy in Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury. I think him, Kyler Murray, and DeAndre Hopkins are going to set the fantasy world and the actual football world on fire. I think they're going to be leading every sports center with their explosive offense. I think it's going to be look like, they're going to make it attract me. It's going to look, look like the Big 12 in the NFL. It definitely could, and that's exactly the kind of offense that you're seeing over there uh, is that kind of Big 12 offense that they could put together and see um, a lot of things happen. So that is definitely one to watch for uh, coming into this, and obviously he has a dope-ass house, and <laughs> so I, I would uh, definitely want him to do that too. So I'm actually kind of looking into um, 
I've got two that's really on my radar, um, but I'll give my number one spot to Zach Taylor. I think that Zach Taylor and the Bengals uh, are going to make a, a really good improvement this year. I think that you're going to see the team trending in the right direction. So I think Zach Taylor is going to get to take a lot of credit for that. Um, him and Burrow, I think you can put him in a really nice system. Then another coach I'm really watching for is Brian Flores in Miami. Yeah. They made a lot of good – we've talked about it multiple times. I think that they're going to be really good this year. Not really good. I think that they're going to be an improved team this year. So let's get a record prediction really quick for those two teams that you just mentioned, the two rookie quarterbacks. Uh, I said it once, Miami's going to go uh, either 7-9 and nine or 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, And then Cincinnati could probably follow suit. Probably a six and ten, seven and nine. Yeah, I've got I've got Cincinnati at probably five and eleven. Yeah, I think I don't I don't I think that they're gonna. It's a tough division, man. It is tough, but I think that uh, Joe's gonna find a way to win some of those close games. That's a tough division for a rookie quarterback to jump into. May as well jump in head first. It's gonna have to. Well, this was fun, Kyler. I loved it, buddy. Hey, everyone's still tuned, tuned in. Make sure you share this with your friends, share with everyone you know. Share all of our social media posts that you run into on your Facebook page. It takes literally two seconds to hit the share button. Um, even if you don't want to share, put, put the, push the like button. Download, download, download. Great review. All right, man. Well, I guess I will talk to you over the weekend, and we'll do another one on Sunday. Yep. Jordan Doc on Sunday, Josh. I'm super ready for it. Uh, they're going to get into Space Jam. We're going to see a lot of the behind the scenes on Space Jam. Oh, I'm actually very excited for that. And then maybe uh, – oh, and for everyone still tuning in, we had to push game seven back to next week just because of uh, how big this – the NFL schedule drop was. We didn't want to put out a three-hour episode for you guys. Yeah, and pending a huge interview on Wednesday, the game seven will be on Wednesday. All right, man. Talk to you later. Later, bro.